the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Back for hour two of the Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you. We're with each other each and every day from 3 to 5. The number is 888-528-2557. Here's a question for you. Are, are we moving to a time of vigilantism in the United States? Meaning, is the lawlessness that we are seeing driving us to a point where people are going to take action on their own and skipping the legal authorities. One of the there are many stories and stories that are sad and stories of violence with shootings in Texas and uh, the incident that's going on in New York City where the the man on the subway was uh, died after being restrained by another passenger or other passengers, and a lot of different kinds of controversies going on with those kinds of things. This was New York Mayor Eric Adams discussing this. On the question of vigilantism, what mm-hmm. do you know? What what do passengers do in situations like that? Is it appropriate to take matters into your own hands? Uh, each situation is different, and how a passenger. Uh, we have so many cases where passengers assist of, of the riders, uh, and we don't know exactly what happened here until the investigation is thorough. And each situation is different. I was a former transit police officer, and I responded to many jobs where you had a passenger assist someone. And so we cannot just blankly say, blankly say what a passenger should or should not do in a situation like that. We should allow the investigation to take its course. What do you think about that? Do you think, do you ever find yourself in a situation where you feel like you're going to have to take control of something as we're living in a world that is, I think, more and more violent, where we are living in a world where there does seem to be a lawlessness going on, where we have you know, the situation that we're seeing at the border right now that is going to potentially explode this week with thousands of people maybe coming up over the border after Title 42 laws expire on Thursday. You know, there's plenty of laws to deal with what's happening at the border already. I don't know that we need any different laws. I think we need new programs and we need to really think this through. But, you know, in order to control immigration, illegal immigration and all of it, the laws are there. But we're we're not taking care of it. And in order to control some of the incidents that we're seeing, you know, the L.A. Times was talking about uh, a couple of weeks ago how much violence we have in Los Angeles on public transportation in some areas. We had a conversation about it on the show where, you know, do you feel like you are safe? I have a theory, too, that in the gun violence that we are seeing, that more and more people actually are going to be carrying guns. I feel like we're going back to the old west. Do you think that's that's the direction of things? I think it probably is. I think, you know, people might argue about different 
you know, things about gun control and what type of gun you can have and different things like that. But I think at the end of the day, I think that there is going to be more and more people arming themselves because there's a concern of a violent society without enough uh, police protection or authorities to take care of it. What do you think about this? 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557 is the number. I also think that part of the problem is that we are in an era where we don't know that we can trust the governing authorities. And that needs to come back. We need to save that. But there are some reasons. There are some reasons why we don't trust. Our government is its just very large and unwieldy and all kinds of different um, branches of the government and branches of uh, the executive branch, energy department and uh, multiple departments. Do you remember a few months ago in January? In January, we did a show on gas stoves and whether or not you would give up your gas stove if the government made you do that. And we had a lot of conversation. Did you know that 70% of Californians have gas stoves? 70%. And I think that's just in your residence. It doesn't include restaurants. Most of the restaurants have gas stoves. Are you ready to give that up? Now, so the interesting thing is we had a whole conversation about that because a federal agency that was considering a ban on gas stoves, um, a, a story got leaked. And the story got leaked where the agency um, – <clears throat> It's the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commissioner. The commissioner said this. He said, any option is on the table. Uh, Products that can't be made safe can be banned. And the whole idea was that they're going to ban gas stoves. Well, you know, the Internet kind of went nuts and Twitter went nuts. And people kind of on all sides of the political spectrum said, you can't take our gas stoves. What are you talking about? It cooks better. It's better for restaurants. You've already hurt our restaurants quite a bit because of the COVID shutdowns. And now you're going to take away our ability to cook the food the way that it should be cooked. And it was an interesting thing because what happened at that period of time, and this is, this is something really, really important to grasp here. What happened at that period of time is that we were then told by this government organization and the Consumer Product Safety Commission that the agency has no plans to ban gas stoves. And they tweeted this out. They said this is in January. So this is just, uh, what, four months ago. Over the past several days, there has been a lot of attention paid to gas stove emissions and to the Consumer Product Safety Commission. Everybody commented on this. Biden commented on it. Uh, Governor Newsom commented on it. Everybody says we're not getting rid of gas stoves. Not going to do it. It says research indicates that emissions from gas stoves can be hazardous and the CPSC is looking for ways to reduce related indoor air quality hazards. But to be clear, I'm not looking to ban gas stoves and the CPSC has no proceeding to do so. And the media decided to take this as an issue that maybe just some far-right people were making an issue that wasn't really an issue. Here's some of the things that were said. GOP have been stoking a ridiculous new freakout about gas stoves. No one is taking your gas stove. The right-wing freakout over the use of gas stoves is maybe the latest in a long series of made-up culture war battles designed to enrage and rile up their right-wing and paranoid base. Republicans are prone to conspiracy theories, whether it's, you know, the kooky, like, JFK Jr. is coming back from the dead to run with Trump or um- do you know about that? I'll continue this a minute, but that's a that's a thing. OK, so there were some people and not a small number of people. There were some people who gathered together on the grassy knoll in Dallas because they believed because of some Internet thing. They believed that Donald Trump and John F. Kennedy Jr., who died in a plane crash back in the 90s, 
was that John F. Kennedy Jr. is not dead. He's been hiding out, and he's got this plot to fix the government. And he and Donald Trump are going to run together on the ticket in 2024. And all these people gathered together with Trump Kennedy signs, sit, waiting for the dead to rise. And an odd place for it, too, the place where his father was shot, was shot. You know, let's gather in this place and announce our candidacy. And there's a couple hundred people who showed up for that. And they spent money on the flags and everything, and that did not happen. So I, I want you to hear this. This whole gas stove thing that happened in January, that people who said the government's getting ready to take get rid of gas stoves, people compared that to, the media compared that to, the same idea that Donald Trump is going to run with the, the deceased John F. Kennedy Jr. We'll continue with this. Um, the sort of duplicitous, like... This administration's coming to take away your gas stoves. Republicans have turned a government warning about your health into a lie about Democrats trying to take your stoves. You get some bureaucrat saying something that has no power, and then suddenly you have Ron DeSantis. I'm going to protect your gas. Everybody's going to be talking about gas stoves, gas. It's so stupid. So in January, you were called stupid and uh, morons and into some kind of crazy, like really crazy conspiracy theory. Okay, the dead coming back to life and, you know, hiding out with Elvis and whatever else. I mean, you were on that level. The people who were, and I'm saying you, the people who thought that they, maybe they're coming after your gas stove. All of a sudden, New York, the city, the state of New York ditched gas stoves and uh, has now a state ban in new buildings in the city of New York. New York City is moving to snuff out gas stoves. New York becoming the first state to ban natural gas and other fossil fuels in most new buildings, including gas stoves. The new law requires all electric heating and cooking in new buildings shorter than seven stories by 2026. Governor Kathy Hochul and the Democratic-controlled state legislature approved a bill on Tuesday prohibiting the use of fossil fuels for heating and cooking. The law is the first statewide ban in the nation and goes into effect in 2026 for building under seven stories. Turns out that the uh, crazy people uh, were right on this one. I think these are the kind of things that continue to happen, and it has it has created such a world of mistrust. The mistrust that we have in our government right now is because too many people are lying. And I don't mean politicians lying. I mean, it shouldn't be an excuse, right, that politicians lie and that we should expect that. Okay, there's a certain level of that that I think it's uh, it's tolerated and it shouldn't be. It's all lies, but there's always political spin and different ways of looking at things from a different point of view, right? And that's that's what happens. And a lot of politicians are lawyers, right? So what they do is they're, they're making their case, but they're not going to make their opponent's case. It's up to the opponent to make a case. So sometimes they're not really lying. They're just excluding the other side of the argument. And see, and I wish that we would have politicians that would get out and actually give us both sides of the argument. That instead of saying you're a moron for thinking we're banning gas stoves, they should come out and say, actually, we are thinking it. Here's the reason and give whatever reason instead of calling everybody a jerk and then secretly four months later, oh, I guess we're going to ban them. See, it's that is beyond, I think, just regular politics. There is more going on here with these things. And I think we need to trust people better. What do you think? 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. Are you giving up your gas stove? Are you 
in a situation where, you know, this has to get fixed. It has to get fixed because, and what I'm talking about is the, the trust factor. You know, if there's a good reason to ban gas stoves for the environment or for childhood asthma or other things that they're claiming this causes, well, let's have that discussion. Let's work these things through together. But right now what you're doing is you are going to make it harder for people to cook their food, harder for restaurants to stay open, harder for people to, in my opinion, as a gas stove in, you know, somebody who enjoys to cook and enjoys gas stoves. In fact, if I, if I had another profession, if I were just like top five other things for me to do, chef would be in there, probably in the top five. I love to cook. And I'll tell you what, gas stove, I like it better. I just like it better than the electric ones. It's just, I don't know why, it's just, it's just easier to, to get the right heat. It's easier to cook on. And I don't, I don't know that it's, you know, what, what this might be. I thought the gas was the clean energy anyway. Wasn't that the idea a few years ago that uh, clean natural gas, that we should be powering our cars with natural gas? We're, the United States is loaded with natural gas. Like we could, we could, we could give gas to the world, if you want to put it that way, <laughs> uh, with our, our natural gas. See, we're told one thing. In fact, we're not just told no. We're told that we're fools for thinking it. And then there you go. There it is. There's a op-ed in the Los Angeles Times today where the writer, uh, the opinion writer, says this. Um, New York banned gas from new buildings. Why not California? And the writer is irritated that California has not yet banned your gas stove. And it's kind of funny because the, he wrote this. He said, uh, New York made climate history last week. Is there somebody keeping track of climate history? I don't think so. Is there, is there a book of climate history? New York made climate history last week, becoming the first state in the nation to pass a law banning natural gas in most new buildings. But here in Los Angeles, we admit feeling a tinge of jealousy that California wasn't the first. Do you feel jealous that we have not banned gas in new buildings in the state of California? Do you think that uh, your representatives in Sacramento, that Governor Newsom is feeling like, you know what, I really wish I had done this first. I take offense at our policies and strategies. Yeah, see, he's depressed. I think that he didn't. I don't think he is, actually. I think he's running for president. That's a whole nother thing. Because, by the way, I don't think Biden's going to be the candidate. Maybe we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But the seriousness of this is... We can't just be in a country that is going to go down the road of tolerating abject lies from our people in authority. We have to call them out, and we have to do it in a nonpartisan way. Like the gas stove issue, maybe you think it's not such a big deal. I think this is something that Democrats and Republicans, regular people like you and me, I think it's something that most of us, wherever we're at in the political spectrum, we're we would agree. We would say, okay, I want to hear about if the natural gas thing is bad, but I don't just want to ban it because we don't have the infrastructure for electricity in order to do it. I don't think anybody actually believes, for example, in California, that we're not going to sell gas-powered vehicles by 2035, that we're going to have an electric grid that can handle everybody's electric car, or that we're going to even everybody want electric cars by then. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I think it's possible, but I don't think we have the leadership to accomplish that. Plus, I think that we are fooling ourselves if we think we can get away from fossil fuels that quickly. 
Fossil fuels are plentiful and they are cheap. And they go into almost everything that you're surrounded by right now. Everything that you're surrounded by now, right now that's plastic, everything that you, just about everything that you might be holding on to, your phone, your computer, a pen, your steering wheel, wherever you are, it's made with oil. It's made with fossil fuels. There are greenhouse gases that are being emitted from that. In fact, a recent study said that for your electric car, just to make the battery alone, that there's not a carbon offset for about 80,000 miles because of all the mining and all the manufacturing that goes into just the batteries for your electric car, meaning that that your gas-powered car is actually more climate-friendly, at least for the first 80,000 miles. And then you have to do something with the battery that starts to decompose somewhere in the ground, and it's poison. So you, there's, there are so many things that are reality that we're not dealing with. We need leaders. And can I, can I say this as this is a the year before an election year, right? There is opportunity for people to run for office. If you've ever been thinking about it, if you've been thinking, you know what, I should run. You've got time to think about it, and you've got time to think about how you would lead. Because I think we are at a period of time where we just need people to say the truth. You can have an opinion about what we ought to do for the climate, but, but don't hide whatever plans you might have. Let's talk about it. You might have an opinion about what to do at the border. I think most of us would agree with what to do down there, by the way. I think most of us would like to find a compassionate way to deal with all these people who are coming up. And I think we would like to deal with the drug problem. I think we would find a way. I think most of us would agree with controlling the border. I really do. I think that we do. But if I can encourage you, if you are a person who is capable, you got to be capable, meaning that it's not just, I think this is a problem for us in leadership, is that we might be voting for people based on the DNR at the end of their name, or maybe they do speak things that we think would be good, but you also need to be capable of governing, right? That's a, that's a, that is a big deal because there's a lot of candidates out there who have either won or eventually lost because they turned out to be bad candidates and somebody else wins because they have, you know, just a, you know, maybe more experience or a better way of governing. You got to be able to govern and you have to be a person who can lead. 888-528-2557. Jim in Los Angeles. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. I just want to say our governor is, uh, an antichrist and a moron. You're not happy with uh, so you're not a, you're not a fan of Governor Newsom. <laughs> Actually, I'm not. He, he's an antichrist and a moron. Well, what do we do if if we don't like the governor? He's done in three years. I think he's running for president, so we might still be stuck with him. Oh God, um, God help us! But uh, you know, if uh, if he's not leading, who's the next person? How do we find somebody no who can lead? Maybe I could run, but I don't have enough money. I guess I get one of these millionaire baseball players to back me. You know, the guys with the three hundred million dollar <laughs> contracts for ten years. Maybe some baseball players should run. You know, there's, uh, you know, Jim. I, I, I think that's the. You just said what I think is kind of where we're at. Is I have no idea, and that is where I think we, as citizens, and speaking out about the issues. We've got about a year to come up with an idea for particularly our local elections. Who is it that can run? 
you know, and, and both parties need to find people who at least would lead and tell us what they're going to do and not hide it. True. You know what I mean? True. I mean, I would I think that would be refreshing to have people, even if people I disagree with would just say, this is what I think. This is what I plan to do if you elect me um, True. and not pretend. I feel like there's got to be people on all sides who can do that. Jim, I appreciate your call. Thanks for calling the Pastor Scott Show. This is the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. When we come back, I will share with you some information that uh, I, I take very personally because of a prediction that I've made that I'm still holding on to, and it's related to all of this. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back as the Monday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Why do you think your polling is where it is? Well, I don't think people, by the way, every major one who won re-election, their polling numbers were mine are now. Put polling aside no, then, right? So. Sentiment in this but, country, despite no, all these wins, is not think, very good. I think all they've heard is negative news for three years. Everything is negative. I'm not being critical of the press, but you turn on the television, the only way you're going to get a hit is if there's something negative. You, you know, you don't. Anyway. That was President Biden on MSNBC with Stephanie Rule responding to a question about his polling numbers. And polling numbers are, are bad. Now, here's the thing about polls, especially this early out. It, most of the time, they don't mean anything this early out. They just don't. It's uh, Politics is a funny thing because... Uh, in fact, Lyndon Johnson maybe put it the best way. He said, the thing is about politics is that today you might be chicken doo-doo, but tomorrow you might be chicken salad. He he used a different word there for the, the doo-doo, but uh, as he was prone to do. Uh, and he's right about that, though. It is an incredible thing how you can be in political office. And some of you experience this in your workplace, particularly if you're the boss or you have some kind of level of authority. You know, you can be hated at one point and then uh, all of a sudden you are you are beloved. And, you know, a year and a half just about from the presidential election, it uh, a lot of things could be completely different. And so I think that that is something that you should you should think about. However, there is something in a recent poll that came out this weekend that I think says something about where Americans are are at across the board. And there's a, there's an interesting thing here to me too, is that and people were asked questions about President Biden, also uh, President Trump, um, and assuming they might run against each other one day. And what did people think? Well. About 54% of people felt this. This is what I find really remarkable. Okay, if you took President Trump and what people think, that only 54% think that he has the mental acuity to be president. That would be the story, except for the fact that Joseph Biden's, uh, the people's opinion of Biden's mental acuity is much lower. Um, and it is a frightening thing. And Donna Brazil. A uh, famous Democratic strategist had this to say on this week, this weekend. I, I can only imagine what it's like inside the White House now looking at the numbers in our, our poll coming out this morning. George, I was told I could not send the poll around to after 12 midnight. I sent it out at 12.02 <laughs> because it kept me up. 
And I thought they should wake up and look at those numbers. You know, what's, uh, it, it's sober in a sense, George, that the coalition that elected Joe Biden with the historic numbers that we saw in 2020, that coalition right now is fragmented. That should concern them. More than six out of 10 Americans think that President Biden does not have the mental sharpness or physical health to be president. That has nothing to do with his policies. That has nothing to do with the success or failure of the things that he might want to do. Six in 10 Americans say that. And according to the poll, if he were to run against this is a Washington Post poll, liberal Washington Post poll, uh, President Trump would defeat him by seven points although there were 12% undecided in that poll. It's the first poll of any kind from the Washington Post that showed Donald Trump in any lead whatsoever going all the way back to 2020. I think that's just remarkable. It's just what a weird, weird world. And Donald Trump is 76, so Biden's 80, he'll be 82. Donald Trump will be 78. So if Donald Trump gets a reelected president... He will be the same age as Biden was when Biden began his first term. Most people think that Donald Trump's mental acuity is better, but who knows where it's going to be even in two years. And and a lot of people uh, aren't trusting in that either. I think it's a significant thing. Now, for me, I have been saying, and I'm going to continue to say, and I have a, I have a bet down here with our uh, David James here at KKLA or Big Wave Dave, for those of you in San Diego, that Biden is not going to be the candidate on the ballot in November 2024. That he did come out and say he's running, but I don't think so. I think that there is time for him to drop out. I think that it is a – and a poll like this is the likelihood of it, I think, grows tremendously. And, you know, it is something where – he will be 82 and promising to be president till he's 86. And if people at 80 already think that he is struggling and he, he is struggling in tremendous ways, not every day, but some days. All right. Here's uh, some of the things that he was saying. Um, you know, I, I think we, we, we've got a lot of work to do. I'm uh, and I'm doing a major press conference this afternoon. So uh, I love you all, but I'd like to ask you to leave swing it down to business. He said that to the uh, press this weekend, but he doesn't have a major press conference going on. But he thought he does. He had an interview with MSNBC, the one we played a clip for, and maybe he was referring to that. But there are more and more of these events. And if you're somebody who's taking care of older people, and, you know, I know that a lot of you listening in your 80s, some of you... You're listening to this and you're thinking, well, I could run for president. I'm a little bit more better, you know, better off than than he is. And, you know, all of us have our our moments where we misspeak. And, you know, President Biden's defense, he's been somebody who misspeaks a lot, even when he was a younger guy. I often just have a moment of brain freeze. You ever have this happen? I have it happen. And it's just kind of always happened to me sometimes. I can't remember somebody's name and I'm looking right at him. And, you know, something like that happens. But this is a this is a thing. And. You know, the, the theme here, I think, for us as citizens, whether you are left or right, is how much are we going to tolerate of leaders who we already actually think can't do the job for one reason or another? Either they can't or they shouldn't. If I can say to you out there that 
you can be encouraged. If you've ever thought, hey, I just think maybe maybe I should run. Maybe God has put something on my heart that I should run for office. I'm not talking about president. Uh, you can. It doesn't cost that much to run for president, oddly enough. I mean, there's there's a lot of money. you got to get your name on the ballot. But it's not as much as you would think. You know, caller in the last um, uh, section was talking about the money. You know, I think with social media and with the change in how we communicate – I bet that there are people who are going to do quite well by some old-fashioned politicking in YouTube. Old-fashioned meaning you go door-to-door. You know how AOC won her race? She beat out a very popular and longtime Democrat. And the reason that she won, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in New York, a young woman who won, who is now one of the most influential people, for better or worse, in the United States House of Representatives, she won because she did the hard work. She went, she had no money. She went door to door and knocked on basically everybody's door in the district. She sat in their living rooms and listened to them and shared what her ideas were. And you may not have agreed with her ideas, although a lot of people in her district would and do. You got to know somebody. It was very personable. And the current person who was occupying that office at that time, he hadn't checked in or said boo for years, for a long time. And you can leverage the social media today. It's just been something I've thought about for maybe somebody who's listening. You know, there's a lot of people listening who, you know, I shouldn't say a lot, but there's some who are listening. Maybe you shouldn't run for office. You're, you know, governing is not your skill. It's one of those things where you see the people on TV and you think that that's what they do. Like if you're watching a lawyer show and you get excited about the idea of questioning witnesses and being in the courtroom and the the drama of that and convincing juries. But the reality is, is you're buried under paperwork and billable hours and a whole bunch of administrative work and a whole bunch of research and study. There's not a lot of time for most lawyers in the courtroom. It's just not real what you see on television. And uh, and the courtrooms and the uh, you know the labs and stuff aren't as fancy in most places as they are on TV either. It's the same way in politics. You know, in politics you have a job to do. There's actual work, and some of them don't do that work, but a lot of them do. You gotta be you gotta be somebody who feels like you're called to actually do the job and represent the people in your district. But I'll bet that there are some of you who could do that. Some of you who could go door to door. Who if you just thought to yourself, you know what, if God wants me to do this, I'm going to pray about it. He'll take care of the financing. He'll take care of the organization. I'm just going to do it. And I'm going to go door to door, or I'm going to help somebody else go door to door. Because that's part of it too, is that, you know, it's, you know, politics, once again, it's ultimately local, right? That ultimately the people who know you, if you do the work, I think even in a state like ours, any race just about is winnable. I think you got to be truthful. That's something that I'm looking forward to is some more truthful candidates, even candidates who maybe I wouldn't necessarily vote for. I would sure like to have candidates who just tell me what they actually think and what they're actually going to do and stop with the games. There are so many comments and things that are are just not correct. Listen to this. Earlier this month, House Republicans voted to fire 2000 Border Control Patrol agents. And this week, They're taking up a bill that would once again demonstrate that House Republicans are more interested in campaigning on immigration than actually solving it. Now, that's Corrine Jean-Pierre, the president's spokesperson. It is not true that Republicans called for cutting 2,000 Border Patrol agents. It's just not true. There is a, according to Newsweek and the fact-checked at Liberal Newsweek, 
they they rated that completely false, that statement. Not even like kind of, sort of true. Completely false. They said Republicans have not directly called for the cutting of border agents. Rather, budgetary plans submitted by the conservative wing of Republican lawmakers would, according to the White House, create budget cuts that would lead to the loss of 2,000 border staff positions, but not agents. And, you know, when you even have and you know, the, the whole fact check business is, uh, you know, I think not you need fact checkers for the fact checkers is what I'm saying. But when even the far left fact checkers are saying that's not true and just completely not true. And that's coming from the president's spokesperson. I think we're seeing this kind of thing at all levels of government. And instead of providing the needed resources for more border security technology and asylum officers and judges, it would waste taxpayer dollars on an ineffective wall, again, an ineffective wall that can't even withstand heavy winds, let alone sophisticated criminal smuggling networks. That was Karine Jean-Pierre, and uh, she was saying that anybody who wants to build a wall, uh, the wall doesn't even stand up to the winds. You're talking about uh, uh, Donald Trump's wall, border wall. Uh, Reuters, liberal Reuters news service fact-checked this and said it's not true, that there was a piece of the wall that was put up that was blown over by some winds several years ago, but the wall wasn't finished. It hadn't been it hadn't been supported, and it wasn't surprising that it blew over. Like the work was still being done and the foundations weren't done. It's just not true. I want to have people tell me the truth. I don't have to agree. I would just like the truth from some people. You know, when it comes to the border and things like that, how about we just do all of the above? You know, how about we work hard on technical reasons that we can control the border, in particular with drugs or crime coming across? And maybe you do some physical things, too. I think that most of us would agree with that. I got to take a break. I see your call up there, Marco, and others will be back as the Pastor Scott Show continues. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. We'll be back as the Monday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. We're not going to increase the debt that every president has done for the last six million years here. Uh, Never hadn't done anything but that. That was President Biden this weekend talking about uh, not wanting to increase the national debt. He seemed to be confused about the difference between deficit and debt. Uh, The debt is the cumulative amount of money that the United States uh, has uh, owed, uh, the cumulative number of deficits. The deficit is the amount each year that has been lost. For example, in the first two years of my administration, I cut the debt by $1.7 trillion. $1.7 more than anybody's ever done in history. He keeps saying that, and it's actually true, except that what he's not saying is that the debt reduction, the deficit reduction, I'm sorry, the deficit reduction is the change in COVID policies going away and not spending all the money on the COVID. Actually, we are spending about $600 billion more than we did in 2019, and the national debt continues to go up. And it's not just President Biden's fault. It's uh, every president's fault going back quite a ways. We had a balanced budget in 2000. And after that, the national debt has skyrocketed and deficit after deficit after deficit. Even in years when we celebrate that, oh, our deficit wasn't as big, it's still enormous. And it's not true 
to suggest that we're not going to go into further debt. We're going into tremendous debt, $32 trillion, which you're hearing with the debt ceiling issue coming up. That always comes up. I almost don't want to talk about it because they're going to come up with some kind of uh, resolution. The country is not going to default. We go through this every couple of years. It's the same exact story every time. I'm kind of sick of it. Uh, I would like to see the president cut some spending, and that's some of the problem. That's what the Republicans are asking for, but I don't know that they're even asking for enough. And to really cut the spending the way we need to uh, would be very, very painful, and I don't know that we have the leadership on either side uh, to do that. It's going to have to get done. $32 trillion. If you spent $42 million, million dollars every single day since the birth of Christ, you still will not have reached our national debt. $42 million a day. 888-528-2557. Marco in Hermosa Beach. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Pastor Scott. Thanks for taking the call. Hi, Marco. Appreciate Yes, hi. Um, well... I, everything is happening right now. Honestly, I experienced I experienced that uh, many years ago in my country. I, I came here illegally, unfortunately. You came here illegally, okay? Yeah. Where'd you come from? Where are you from? Mexico. Okay. Mexico. Yeah, across the border. Uh, it was tough. It cost me three three thousand dollars. It was very difficult. Uh, obviously, across the river and all this. Uh, I, when I when I became a resident, I have to pay a penalty because I, I came illegally. So did you and go through the uh, the processes? So you came across illegally. You paid somebody to help you. Is that what the money was for? Yes, I, I some of my fam, uh, family who lives already here. Okay, called me up and then yeah they uh, they hired someone and they just picked me up from TA and just came across. It was very very brutal. It was hard. I can imagine with the wall, if it was a wall, it was pretty much impossible to do it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, uh, we were ruled by, for 70 years, with a left uh, PRI, and they were so corrupt that to the point that I see it right now. I'm not saying that it is, but I can see it because I went through that. I came here when I was in my late 20s, so I can see that... Uh, Somebody is ruling this country. It's not. It's not the president that we have right now. Mm-hmm. That happens in Mexico. Whoever left as the president, they know who's coming next, and they do whatever it takes to that person to become president. And then behind scenes, all the power. They want to keep the power. They keep controlling because they have so much interest on on this country. So, for that reason, they're so hard to let it go. When you hear this uh, this conversation that we're having uh, now, what do you think Mexico could could do to turn itself around? It's very easy, Pastor Scott. Honestly, they they have to come to Mexico, uh, and regardless, they come from Central America, they cut across the border and and in the south. And if they're flying to Mexico City, where is that? Where I'm from. Uh, they have to go through immigration, and they know they know because they're going to ask have to ask for for a visa in Mexico, and they allow it then to come as a tourist probably for three months or whatever, and that's enough time for them to to move to the border of Mexico. So if they really want to stop it, like when President Trump was in charge, they can easily do it. 
you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just don't want it to. They don't want it. They don't want to deal with that. They don't want to. All these hundreds of thousands of people that are coming to Mexico, they, they don't want to do it. It's actually it's a, it's a big business for them, amazing yeah. business for them because, you know, that's how they rule. You always they go back to the money, right? I mean, somewhere somebody's making money who is in the position of making decisions. Yes. This picture is 33 years ago. It cost me three three $3,000. I can imagine 33 years later how much it would cost somebody and i'm from mexico yeah i can imagine somebody from from other country the amount of money they had to pay for just to get across yeah now what's your situation now do you have legal residency oh i'm american citizen i embrace when i came to this beautiful country i embrace the culture i'm a christian man i i definitely definitely love the uh principles of this country and it's uh, it's so sad to see um, how bad it's going. It's like Mexico, basically. You know, you cannot speak in Mexico if you if you speak the truth. They put you in jail. They kill you. They disappear you. They do all this stuff. And then I, I can see here this coming up pretty soon. I mean, they push, they counsel somebody, and then when people protest, they pull back, and then they push again forward. And to impose their, their will. It's no longer, I, I would say in the next, if we don't get someone with convictions like President Trump, who at least allow me to, if I don't want to drive an electric car, for whatever reason, I want to drive a gas car. They should let me do it. They don't have to impose me. You know what I mean? It's like, you have, that's the beauty of this country. And they've taken away little by little like that. Uh, you know, I think it just, uh, you know, I really appreciate uh, you calling. I'm glad that you're a citizen and that you, you know, even though you came here illegal, you did the right thing afterward. Right. And, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, you're you're bringing up something that our country needs to see because we're not taught. You're bringing up what's happened in a lot of these governments in this hemisphere, but we've also seen it in Eastern Europe and the Soviet, former Soviet Union, and we're seeing it into other places of where the leftist philosophies bring you ultimately into tremendous violence and illegal drugs and cartels and a system of government that is not for the people. I agree. 100%. And and we, you know, in our country, this is this is partly what I'm getting at. Thank you for your call, Marco. I appreciate it very, very much. And that's that's one of the reasons I bring this up about holding our government responsible because we do have laws. We do have laws on the book that handle these things, and we have a constitutional system that, if people do their job, uh, it works. You know, the the mayor of New York, who is a Democrat, Eric Adams. Uh, he has been speaking out even against his own party, both parties, on this very subject. This is not about asylum seekers and migrants. All of us came from somewhere to pursue the American dream. It is the irresponsibility of the Republican Party in Washington for refusing to do real immigration reform. And it's the irresponsibility of the White House for not uh, addressing this problem. Brownsville, Texas, El Paso, Denver, Los Angeles, uh, New York, Chicago. We should not be burdening the weight of this problem. And so it's not about the people who are, su- who are pursuing the American dream. It's the irresponsibility of those that are allowing them to come to a country and not build the infrastructure to allow them to pursue that dream. See, there's a lot that he has to say in there. 
you know, and I think that uh, Chicago, New York, San Francisco, who declare themselves sanctuary cities are kind of asking for it when they know there is no infrastructure. But what he's right about is that this is the federal government's job and they're not doing it. The, this problem, just like Marco, our caller, just said at the border and that we're going to see later this week, it can be resolved actually very, very quickly in a way that is compassionate to people who want to seek the United States for the blessings that it can give. It can be done. We need leadership that's going to do it. This is a place to pray for our country. When you, when you pray for President Biden, as the word of God tells us to do. You're not praying that he's successful with bad policy. You're praying that he changes his policy. See, this is a federal issue. He's got that ability. The Republicans need to stand up and be compassionate on one hand, and at the other hand, say we need to obey the law. We need to, we're harming people throughout Central America and Mexico by not dealing with this. And I think that our leadership needs to pressure some governments down there. Uh, there's a long history of why this is the way it is. Um, but it needs to get better. There's all kinds of different sides to it. Um, I just want to encourage you to pray and take some time once in a while to say, you know what, we can't just let our government not be accountable for doing its job, and they can't just lie to us about things. We are running out of time with all of that. Thankfully, our hope is in the Lord, and our hope is in Christ, and he told us things are going to get lawless, things are going to be crazy. And so we can put our trust there. I'm out of time. We'll see you tomorrow. This is the Pastor Scott Show. You can get the podcast at kkla.com or wherever you get your podcast. I will see you tomorrow from 3 to 5. God bless. Have a great night. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.